you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Around the League Podcast is an iTunes juggernaut. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined by a room full of heroes. Chris Wesseling, Mark Zessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Nice to have you back. Yeah. I felt I, like the energy level there was down a little because you're a little tired from your Las Vegas weekend. I, Fair? Listen, I don't know about anything about Las Vegas. It was Nevada. I can't go into further detail where <laughs> I it was. attempted to keep that storyline that you were on a business trip in Nevada. That's it was a business trip. Business was taken care of. Um, I'm back now, and a nice job. I listened to the podcast because I'd like to stay up to date even if I'm not around. Nice job by Handsome Hank also known as the Notorious D.O.P. Uh, Greg, <laughs> you did a great job as, a, as the host. Uh, plow past the 40-minute mark, which is a little Peter Jackson move by you. <laughs> you got to keep this thing moving. Uh, and then Crystal saying Greg was your favorite because he picked the Eagles to win the division. Words hurt. Well, you know, you're back now. So oh, well. we'll see, we'll see what you have positive to say about the Eagles. Well, he still picked the Eagles to last place, like everyone else. Well, and Greg this, remains my favorite. We're Actually, I picked the Giants as the last place. Whatever. I noticed even in the article you you point out everyone's picked Philadelphia and last. I have them eight and eight in <laughs> three third out of place. four, including Handsome Hank. Three of four had them in last. But yeah, you you're right. I I missed your eight and eight. Either way, I'm going to remind you about and, this prediction all all year. And bad job by who picked the Cowboys again? Uh, everyone, and I, everyone but me and, and Dan. I've gotten sucked into the Cowboys vortex five straight years. <laughs> if this is the year that they actually do win the division, I am going to personally travel <laughs> down to Dallas and take care of some business. Three out of five of us, including Handsome Hank, picked the Cowboys to win the division. To me, that was very surprising. And yet all I got all weekend was all of you out there that listened to the show 
and were upset that I picked the Cowboys in last place. The Cowboys just <laughs> – they were so angry that they couldn't believe they people calling for me to be fired that I clearly don't know anything about football because one of the four of us had the gall to put the Cowboys at last. <laughs> Cowboys world we're living in. All right, so we are now – we're through preseason week three. Uh, this is a big week for uh, roster cutdowns. We will start with the news, and Greg Rosenthal, you lead the way. It's got a little quarterback-driven up top with the news. Yeah, I think let's talk about all three quarterback situations that changed in some way over the weekend, starting with the Oakland Raiders, Terrell Pryor, and Matt Flynn. This, to me, was the biggest story of the weekend because it was so surprising. Wesley, I know you know you were watching that Raiders game closely. Just what was your, your takeaways there? <laughs> Matt Flynn never had a chance behind that offensive line. And I guess, you know, the whole stadium was deflated. They were booing. They were cheering. They had the prior chance going. Matt Flynn looked awful. And, and the, whole th- the whole time you're just watching it thinking, why have a game manager for a roster that has no defense and can't stop the other team from scoring points? It doesn't make any sense to go forward with a – uh, talent challenged Matt Flynn. So to me, like Pryor was the obvious answer. See what you have in him before you draft a quarterback next year. And there were a couple plays where defensive ends came in completely untouched off the left side of that line and wiped Flynn out. And I think with with Pryor, who I think is going to struggle himself, at least the guy can move. He can get out of the pocket. I mean, Flynn Flynn is like you said, just a dead man walking back there. A few things on this first. Uh, just to make it clear, Terrell Pryor is going to start the fourth preseason game. He's taking all the first-team reps this week. We don't know for sure that he's going to start week one, but that is the total expectation now. It would be a surprise. I'm just taken by the fact that they signed Matt Flynn for all this money. I mean, not a ton, but enough to be a starter. They spend the whole offseason pointing towards this guy as a starter, and you change gears and make it prior the week before the season starts. It's just, it's just no matter how you slice it, it's the last thing you want to be doing. Yeah, I feel bad for Raiders fans too because they're calling for Terrell Pryor and really what have we ever seen from this guy that tells us that he's even going to be a competitive quarterback. And, and with Flynn, he's gonna get, this could happen to him again. Russell Wilson last year. Now people initially thought it would be Tyler Wilson that would end up knocking him out, <laughs> but now it's going to be Terrell Pryor, yeah. which is really almost the ultimate indignity. It, it is going to happen again. They've given him an out with the elbow injury for a second straight year that happened last yeah, year. Right. He's, yeah. last August. he's not been healthy then for potentially over a season. Yeah. So he's either injured or they're telling they're telling their fans he has an injury now so don't expect to see him. I've talked about sample size a lot in the preseason. So many judgments are made on little game action. Matt Flynn only dropped back 9 times in that game and a change is made 9 times. Now, two of those plays were interceptions. One was a fumble. Uh, one was a sack. So half the plays you know, were just catastrophes. Whereas Terrell Pryor, I went back and watched that game, and really his game was about four or five plays that he made. He, w- he didn't play that well. He played, missed some throws, made some throws. But he made two throws down the field, and he made two incredible scrambles. And that's it. It's like those four plays for Flynn, four for Pryor, and that, that decides your week one starter. I'm starting to feel even better about my 1-15 pick for the Raiders because this has the potential to be <laughs> outright – dumpster fire softball pants are safe (laughs) uh greg what else is in the news yeah speaking of which the buffalo bills had about as bad a weekend as they could have uh first of all kevin cobb you know gets knocked out has a concussion 
We don't know when he's going to be back. There are reports that his injury could be career-ending. The Bills say they're not thinking about that, but it's clear he's going to be out for a lengthy bit of time. So Jeff Toole is the guy, the undrafted rookie, that they're planning (laughs) to start week one. If E.J. Manuel is healthy enough to start, he'll start. So we'll find out. It's going to be one of those guys and Matt Leiner and Thad Lewis from your Browns. Former Brown Thad Lewis will compete (laughs) to start to back up Jeff Toole potentially. So, wow. Well, I think uh, Doug Marone called it exciting. This is an exciting development in a way that he's like, you know, it's exciting that we're going to start this mystery man under center. But I think the the thing that they lost Gilmore to at cornerback. Stephon Gilmore, our making the leap candidate who we were so in love with, is going to be out six to eight weeks, which is almost as big a loss. It's bigger, I would say, than Cobb. Uh, honestly, yes, it is. It's a bigger loss than Cobb. I mean, it's like on defense, we're not going to really get to see what the real plan was on defense out of the gate because of that injury. And we certainly aren't going to see anything close to what the plan was on offense. So, you know, the Bills were this exciting team to some degree because they're going to change things up. And it's going to be, what, maybe six weeks into the season before we get any sense of what they, what they are. Gilmore had been the beat writer's choice for training camp MVP after showing some shutdown corner traits down the stretch last year. You could make the argument that he, he was going to be their best defensive player this year or their most important defensive player that to me is a much bigger loss than anything to do with the quarterbacks yeah they're going to be starting Leotis McKeldon uh, Cresden Butler Cresden Butler <laughs> a <laughs> Steelers reject well, those, so those are your starting cornerbacks for the Bills but I don't think it's that big a deal because EJ Manuel still could be back for week one either way they're going to be in trouble against the Patriots maybe he's back for week two the New York Jets on the other hand you know mm. They were hoping to have their quarterback situation <laughs> settled by now. Dan had to be paid. Did you watch this game? Yes. I, actually, I have a, a Nevada business story, um, if you guys want want me to share that, about the incident where he was injured, All Mr. Right. Mark Sanchez. Um, I, had, I, had been, I was seated at a table for a business meeting in the middle of this lobby of this hotel, <laughs> and uh, I was getting dealt some papers from the uh, person running the business meeting. And as soon as I look up and I see Sanchez get destroyed um, and knocked to the ground writhing, I look down and the business person is holding all right, a blackjack. It was showing blackjack <laughs> and Sanchez is writhing on the ground and I just I went up to the hotel room. That was it. And that's it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> that's being a Jets fan. Yeah, that's life. <laughs> that's, li- that's life as a Jets fan. This, that was surreal though, really. Um, because as someone that has followed this team so closely and now was that press conference and the vitriol from a friend of the old, old ATL debate club, Manish Mehta, uh, in particular, uh, his tweets towards Ryan calling for his head and saying how unprofessional he was, and then Ryan's press conference, which was just an absolute train wreck. I mean, this team, its they're going to be uh, fun to watch uh, for maybe people that like you know, to see tragedies unfold because this is not going to be good. And week for this to be happening in week three, it just blows my mind. What's, of the preseason. Week of the three pre-season. before the, yeah. yeah What's more of two. a calamity, a uh, dumpster fire or a tire fire? <laughs> <laughs> it's close. Wesseling didn't even want to talk about the Jets quarterback situation on the show today. Well, you know. Despite it, you know, it's an important thing, a, a team starter. I feel like the Raiders and <laughs> Even the Bills a little bit. This is virgin territory for quarterback battles. Yeah. You know, we – I don't mind being – you know, nobody wants – if you're Columbus discovering America, you don't want to hear about the the freaking Vikings. 
<laughs> you want to be the first one there. This Jets quarterback situation has been discussed all offseason, over and over. It's uh, it's no longer virgin territory. I think that's fair, but I, more from the Rex Ryan angle, I, it seems to me like they're just allowing him to just hang himself. And it's like, it, to me, to me, I almost feel for Rex Ryan because I think he's been put in a situation that he's – he just can't win. Well, how about Mark Sanchez? Get it, he gets rushed into that game against a second-string line when he was supposed to be the starter. Like, who's but it, who's making the calls but here? But that's what backups do. They come into the game late. No one was calling for Ryan that they were throwing Ryan Mallet out there. But he wasn't the backup at that point. But he might have been. He's I mean, been, and he's one of the guys competing. He wasn't the starter. It's been over for him ever since the butt fumble. Yeah. Yes. I mean, really, level, it has. Yes. Yeah. Uh, by the way, it's been a, a really bad week weekend for the deeply mediocre QB club between Matt Flynn, Kevin Cobb, and Mark Sanchez. The only bright spot is Matt Leinert. He, you know, he's feeling pretty good. He's got a job. <laughs> he's he's back. I saw where Jeff Tool watched Leinert in the national championship game, the Rose Bowl, when yep. he was in eighth grade. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that makes me feel old. I mean, with with Sanchez, I don't think it really matters because they wanted Geno Smith to start. Week one, anyways, and so what's, but you understand what's why there's some it? outrage in terms of the way they the situation was managed or no? no. I don't think it was I don't that understand big a deal. the outrage. That's New York media is just oh so over the top. It was called one of the worst decisions in modern football history. <laughs> a guy got injured. Tom Brady said it. I risk getting injured every day when I get in my car on the way to work. When they asked about playing too much in the pre, you know what happens? It was unfortunate, obviously, in the sequence that it happened. But I don't think it's that big. There are a lot of reporters taking this whole jet situation personally for some reason. Yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're right about that. Um, okay, so one of our most popular stories we do um, after these preseason games, and I guess we're going to be doing it through the re- regular season. What we learned. All right, so check out Round the League blog for the most recent what we learned. But we're also going to do one a podcast version. It used to be called, uh, you know, three takeaways. Now we're going to call it what we learned. And we're going to start out with the great Mark Sessler. What did you learn from week three of the preseason? Well, I actually uh, came into work on Saturday to watch one game. And it was, it was uh, Colts-Browns. And my takeaway has nothing to do with uh, the thing, where you think I might go with Cleveland. It has to do with the Colts, actually. And I saw Cleveland make a major mistake on defense, which I think other teams might end up doing this season. And they paid complete and full attention to T.Y. Hilton, understandably, because I think he's, from a defensive coordinator side, the guy is a dangerous weapon. But Reggie Wayne basically ate them up all day long. They left the guy in single coverage. I think that my takeaway was Indianapolis is an offense, number one, with potentially a Hall of Fame quarterback, which we've talked about before, but more weapons than I realized a couple weeks ago when I left them as an AFC team that won't make the playoffs i mistake I, I think i made a mistake there the more so did I, I the more Every, I, everyone's backing yeah, up their picks I, already well i, <laughs> well, I think this is my only regret well we are we we've made our picks early and you learn with each week what teams are and how they're going to play and the cults to me look like an absolute sleeping giant on offense it should be recognized that Dan was at the vanguard of this movement, advising <laughs> fantasy football players about the plethora of weapons on the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts. I think it will hold true. Who was covering Wayne? Was it Joe Hayden or 
No, it was not Hayden. I mean, but also half the time it was, you know, they, Cleveland has major issues at safety, and they've, they, ha, they were, had a new starting cornerback out there on the, across from Hayden. They were using a couple different people. But they just, it's, it's like you can't just decide to commit to one guy. Now, and they didn't even have their two tight ends I was going to say, they didn't even have Dwayne Allen and Kobe Fleener on the field when all that was going on. It's a scary performance. Hayward Bay is better than people think, too. When he is not the first guy, when they right. when they put him out there and he is your Absolutely, second or third yeah. or fourth option, yes. If you're asking him to replace Donnie Avery, that's a position he can uh, yeah. he can handle. Uh, my thing I learned this weekend was the Denver Broncos running back situation is more unsettled now than I think it was going into training camp. Monty Ball looked very ordinary. I thought uh, for another week of preseason action, he dropped a pass in uh, the red zone. They had him playing really late in the game with the third stringers, which I thought was interesting. Just kind of seeing what he would look like. Ronnie Hillman's fumbled three straight weeks. Noshan Moreno played great, but didn't play for almost the whole first two quarters. So they're entering the season, and they're playing in 10 days. And kind of like the Ravens, my takeaway is these two teams playing on opening night have a lot of unsettled positions. We don't know who the running back is in, in Denver. Got to figure that out. Got to see if Champ Bailey can get back on the field. Derek Wolf And the Ravens have a lot of questions up in the air, too. So these are two teams expected to do really well. But I think heading into the season, they're just still figuring things out for the first few weeks. I think with Denver, too, on the running backs, like you cannot have someone in there that cannot block, protect Peyton Manning. And that's been an issue last year with Hillman, especially. It seems like it's an issue with Ball right now in terms of his learning curve and is it Moreno in the end that is the most reliable guy they have well Monty Ball took first team reps at practice Monday so that's the big development while Ronnie Hillman walked around the practice with a football under his arm wherever he went (laughs) he got the Omar Epps treatment (laughs) out so that might say it out they drafted Ball because they want him to be the guy and I think Moreno will have a a sizable role but they're searching for it and you know I think it's a big thing to watch that first Thursday is Peyton Manning doesn't really have that much of a running game. They threw 35 passes in one half of football with Peyton Manning. This uh, backfield reminds me of the Redskins last year when fantasy footballers are going into the season with uh, no idea if it's going to be Roy Hallou, Evan Royster, or Alfred Morris. And we find out from our guy, Dan Helley, on the morning of the first game at 1030 in the morning, Helley breaks the story that Alfred Morris is starting. Maybe the Broncos. We don't find out until that Thursday night. Right, who's right. How about Chris Wesseling giving Dan Helley some <laughs> love? Now on NFL Total Access. Back then was working for CSN, and that is somehow still sticking around your big noggin over there. <laughs> it's uh, the Cliff Clavin <laughs> stuff. There's too Man, much up there. He's the mailman. Uh, Wes, what's your takeaway? You know, uh, I'll talk about the Bears more in our NFC North preview in a few minutes, but um, this is with the obvious caveat that it's only August. The two teams I've noticed – that look a lot better than I expected going into the preseason are the Bears and the Jaguars. So I would say that the Jaguars have much better offensive weapons than you think. Justin Blackman looks sleeker this year. Uh, he came into the season last year out of shape, and you could see it on game tape. He couldn't separate, couldn't run after the catch. He looks like a much different receiver this year. Also looks suspended. Yes. Worth noting. <laughs> yes, he is. So they lose him for four games. Ace Sanders is an, a major upgrade on any slot receiver they've had. Maurice Jones-Drew looks, looked better this week than he did the week before. Uh, and they're going, as much as we talk about the Bills and the Eagles' up-tempo offense, the Jaguars are doing the same thing. They're, they're leaving these defined reads for their quarterbacks, one decision, get the ball out of their hands, and then get into the huddle quickly again. They're moving the ball up and down on their first-team defenses. 
Granted, it was the Eagles' first team defense, and everybody's moved the ball on them. I think last year the Jaguars were a team that had the least play count per game, or they were right in that mix, Mm -hmm. and that was not good for Blaine Gabbert. And yes, he didn't even play this last game, but it's like they're another team, and we talked about this last week, that they're trying to form that offense around what fits what maybe potentially limited talents Blaine Gabbert has, but what would work for him. And yes, it's like it's a way to get their guys open quicker and get that ball out quicker. And it last two weeks, they have looked like a different football team. I, I still have a hard time, though, buying in on the Jaguars as long as they have that quarterback situation in place. Maybe to me, they're the team that when they finally do cut loose uh, on Gabbert and they find someone else, they're a team that can get better in a hurry. But I don't think it's going to happen. I should add this. Uh, their skill position talent is pretty good. The starters on offense, better than people realize, but they probably have less depth than anybody. If if somebody goes down, they're in big trouble. We've been talking up Jordan Todman watching him in the preseason. Looks pretty good, Jordan Todman. He had always been just a guy, but Greg has noticed him jumping off the screen. I guess I need to see it. <laughs> he fried the Eagles last You're doubting week. doubting Jordan Todman. I need to see Jordan Todman against uh, first-string defenders before I – Get excited by his four six five speed looking good in preseason. To every Jaguars <laughs> fan out there that says we never talk about the Jaguars and we always dump on the Jaguars, this was positive Jaguars talk. Absolutely. I, I want some credit. <laughs> just just out I was there. Good. They should, All seven of you, you should be happy. Uh, just <laughs> I would disagree. They have one of the most insane fan bases. That's why when that team that gets good, they're going to go crazy. They're sensitive little guys. All right. Man, we were really pumped up about the Jaguars. All right, good. All right, so – uh, moving forward, we have now our division by division preview. Uh, we are now we're almost done. We're getting close. The light at the end of the tunnel. We have this today. We have the NFC North. Uh, one big question for each of the gentlemen in the room, and uh, I will start it with the man they call the boss, Greg Rosenthal. <laughs> Wait, he was he's not I was ready. Try, I was trying to wave it off. There was an arm wave. But I'm just going to I'm just gonna go. What, I got the Chicago Bears right here, right? <laughs> yeah, we could start it somewhere else and we could swing it back to you. No. My question with the Chicago Bears is, even with Lovey Smith gone, do we still think this is a upper echelon difference-making defense? <laughs> That's just quiet. You're not excited about the I Bears was, defense. I was expecting to go in a different direction. You, but... you were expecting offense. We can get to that. But I we'll think they the have defense. the best defense in the division, and I think it will make a difference for them in this season. I wouldn't call them upper echelon. I think they're st- they still have age issues. Weren't they really, really, really good last year? You know what I mean? P- Through I think like the first that. nine or ten games, they were arguably the best defense in the NFL. I think you could extend that out even into pretty deep into the season. They, they got, were good. They had running backs averaging 150 yards per game through like a six-game stretch late in the season. Um, and you could say that coincided with all the injuries and then the offense not being able to keep up. You know, the, I'm sure there were some tempo issues where the defense was on the field too much. So maybe that was a factor. Is, is Brian Urlacher being gone, does that make them a better defense? Was that the best thing that could have happened to him being out of the picture? Well, now you've got uh, second-round rookie, John, Mr. Boom Bostic. <laughs> oh. oh, no. We were I talking about they... that coming up. That, that's <laughs> Wesley's pushing, pushing that nickname real hard. Mr. Boombastic, he's a little the, shaggy shout Yeah, out. every time you look up, he's getting fined for a big hit, you know? He's get, we got to add the boom into the Bostic. Wesley <laughs> is going Chris Berman on us. I don't know how I feel about this trend. Bostic's look good in these games, though. He's looked pretty good. Well, you could. I think the Bears have a, a great draft haul, and 
you know, I have this friend on Tybee Island. Uh, his name's AJ, but he's he's one of these informed football fans. It's a pleasure to talk to. And we've been talking about the Bears for two or three years, and he knew two or three years ago, okay, in the draft, they have to fix the offensive line, and they have an aging defense. So we've been talking about this every year, and their drafts haven't come through. Emory might have fixed it in one draft. They've got the whole right side of their line now as rookies with Kyle Long and Jordan Mills, and they look really good. Forte's averaging t- 10 yards a carry. Cutler's had time to throw. The offense is moving the ball. And then, as Greg mentioned, Bostic is an upgrade on Erlacher at middle mi- linebacker already. You hope to have three starters come through any draft. They might have three week one starters coming through this draft. I also think on offense, real quick, Alshon Jeffrey looks like a different player to me in what we've seen so far. And that the Bears always, to me, I can never take them seriously. They'd go 13-3 and three with a great defense, but you knew they were going to get bounced mm. in the divisionals because they had these pipsqueak, non-entity wideouts for like a decade and an offensive line. And you're right. In, in one season, they suddenly have Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey, Martellus Bennett, not bad at tight end, and an offensive line. And also, Forte looks, to me, revived and stronger than he did a year ago. I, I agree. Well, he, was, he had some ankle injuries last year, so maybe that's part of it. But he looks, maybe it's how high he's wearing his socks. He looks taller, <laughs> thinner, quicker. I don't know. Lovey Smith never had a top 20 offense in his entire run. And which, that was not a coincidence. That's going to change. Which is hard to do. All they got to do is be average. And I think this defense could carry them. Uh, Steven Paella, I don't know, how do you say, is that how you say his name? He looks great. Henry Melton, Julius Peppers. I mean, they have depth there on the defensive line, which is hard to find. They have a lot of pass rushers up front, and Lance Briggs is still great. I saw them blitzing off the corner and doing big things. Mel Tucker was a pretty good coordinator, people forget, in Jacksonville a few years ago, and he has a lot of talent to work with here. Okay, Wes, uh, why don't we talk a little Packers? Well, I believe three of the four of us, I haven't heard Dan's opinion much on this, believe the Packers' offense is going to be transformed a bit with Eddie Lacy as a running back threat. My question is on the other side of the ball. Is this a championship-caliber defense? I think so. I think it's the same relative group of talent, as talented as they were when they won the championship before. I think in the secondary, you have Casey Hayward, Morgan Burnett, a lot of good talent there. It's a very deep secondary uh, I think they're counting on young players to make an impact up front. But over, top to bottom, B.J. Raji, Dayton Jones, A.J. Hawk. I mean, I think it's a talented enough group to win. That's my answer. Damn. I think they're definitely not who they were two years ago when they were an epic train wreck. We saw them even get better last season off of that. I haven't watched enough of the Packers' defense lately to really chime in beyond what Greg said. But I'm not sure they need to be a great defense to get double-digit wins. I, even even when they won the Super Bowl, they had, what, 16 guys on IR? It's like that's a team that has a good mix of young and veteran players that can get through any sort of hiccup. Um, but I don't think it, they need I – I wouldn't put them up there with the Bears, to be honest. I'd is, say Chicago was a better defense. Sure. Is Clay Matthews – is he officially in the good year, bad year Hall of Fame with alternating years? And is I don't he think on a good so. year or bad year this year? I think if he's – If he's healthy, he's going to be lights out. I think he's one of the top two or three defensive players in the in the NFL, and he he is such a difference maker. We, I didn't even mention him when talking about the defense. I mean, he alone makes their defense so much better. I would say the one thing I've noticed from the start of the preseason until now is they are a lot deeper on defense than I thought. Secondary is pretty deep. I heard Mark Mc, Mike McCarthy say his defensive line is deeper than any he's had in his whole tenure there. They got Dayton Jones and uh, Johnny Jolly's back. Uh, Mike Daniels, they look 
pretty pretty stout up front. They get their first round pick from a year ago. They really Rick got Paris nothing back, out of yeah. their top two picks. They last really year. need that second pass rusher to emerge. And don't they only really need to be a middle of the road defense, a defense that can get enough stops some of the time, well, you got and then let the damn best quarterback theory. In the world it's do all it. it's all about stealing the ball these days. It doesn't matter if you hold people. You just have to produce the turnover. I will be interested to see right out of the gate because they you know they sent Dom Capers and his crew to go learn how to stop the read option actually by spending time with offensive coaches on how the read option actually runs. And right out of the gate, they have the Niners and the Redskins. And we don't even know what the Niners and Redskins will do on offense, but it will be interesting to see what the Packers are coming into week three. I was a little surprised that Capers even kept his job after a second straight playoff I think meltdown. many people were. So I think he is definitely on the hot seat. They have to get better. He's gone. Sessler, Minnesota Vikings, one big question. All right, Vikings. I put week six as the over-under when Christian Ponder is replaced at quarterback by Matt Castle. For better or worse, I'm not saying it's an upgrade. I just think the decision will be made at week six. I want an over, under, or <laughs> won't even happen. All this over, under talk reminds me of my business trip. Uh, <laughs> who's up? I will, I will take the over. I know Greg is probably the biggest Christian Ponder detractor in the national media right now. Stop. <laughs> I'm not even in the national media. And and I am the biggest Matt Castle detractor ever since he left the Patriots. I've never believed he, he could be a quarterback. He personally hates you, actually. He's Matt Castle? Yeah. yeah. Did you see him in Vegas? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I just don't see – Ponder, we can believe that there might still be some development left. Athletically, he's much higher playing than, than Matt Castle. Um, Castle, I feel like we already know what he is. He's a turnover machine. He's inaccurate, and he he doesn't really throw well from a muddy pocket, at least with Ponder. I mean, some of those things apply to him, too. Maybe he gets better. I just don't see how. What do you gain by turning this offense over to Matt Castle? Over under week six, you said? Mm-hmm. I, I think they, ha- they have enough faith in Ponder, especially how he finished the season before he got hurt, um, that maybe he, would, he can make it through Thanksgiving or, or something like that. But I don't know. I, I think it's very possible he loses his job, and I think Castle is just a good enough guy that they think he could be a spark. It's an experienced guy that's had some success. So I think I'll take the over, but at the same time, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he loses the job. I think he'll keep the job a little longer than that because just doing the math, week six, you know, you'd have to be one and four going into week six to lose your job, I think. If you're two and three, you keep it for sure. If you're two and four... I could see them doing it. I could see them pulling the trigger on, you know, Ponder early if he doesn't show progress. And he has really looked poor uh, in the preseason. I think that's a factor that he hasn't shown that development. I know Adrian Peterson hasn't been out there, but still a guy in his third year. He should be getting better. They opened the season on the road in the division two straight weeks. So that's a big uh, test for them right out of the gates. They're in Detroit and in Chicago. So you better get one of those games or else you got a big pressure-packed home opener against the <laughs> Cleveland Browns, Mark Sessler. Who do you think wins that game? Ponder Whedon? I mean, wow. Get That's, I think we need to put Wes, let's put Wes on that game. What would be the odds going into the preseason that you would say, okay, we've seen progress on a weekly basis from Blaine Gabbard, Jake Locker, and up until this week, Whedon, but nothing from Ponder? Greg's right. He's been pretty bad in preseason. That's actually why I asked the question, because I think that they did a nice job of, uh, not a huge Greg Jennings guy at this stage, but they surrounded Ponder with more than just Adrian Peterson. And we can't say, hey, there's nothing there. If Cordero Patterson pans out, he certainly looks to me like it's a complete stud as a pass catcher. 
then you've got a really solid tight end in Rudolph. You've got two very solid wide receivers, and you've got the best running back on planet Earth. Why should the quarterback be the one guy holding the back? And Yeah, and I would say if the Vikings front office thinks the way I do, which I hope they don't, but if they did, <laughs> I would say that I'm looking at Adrian Peterson and he's a once-in-a-generation athlete, and I am not wasting his prime years. He's, I think he's his age 28 season. He probably has two or three elite years left. If I feel like I need to pull the trigger to try to save a season when I know I have that guy on my roster, um, I'll probably do it. That's a relevant point, and it reminds me of the Bears wasting a once-in-generation defense special teams combination on Rex Grossman. Oof. Don't want to don't want to Grossman the situation. <laughs> but um, you, it, your window is only open so long. Right. You have, that has to be a consideration. I mean, how much longer is Peterson's peak? Uh, by this point, you know, it's tough to get another quarterback in there. That's why these decisions, you know, with Ponder, I, I think it gets even worse if you don't get out of the bad quarterback early. Well, I, it, that was – that had to be the whole philosophy behind signing Castle. They believe they needed a veteran to push him. I, you know, we can debate whether Castle's that guy or not, but I think that's right. what they were thinking. The case for the Vikings is a very good defense, potentially. They were good last year. They're Leslie a lot faster Fletcher than people think. Is a defensive coach. Okay, and I will, uh, I will do the last question on the Detroit Lions. Uh, you, you guys saw the, the Patriots game, 49 win. Uh, the their front really harassed Brady, uh, who finished sixteen of twenty four for one hundred and eighty five yards. They 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 didn't look good. Should I be getting excited about that line specifically? That front line is potentially the dominant dominant unit that it all comes together this year. Get excited, Pat! <laughs> is Kevin Patra listening out there? Our fifth around the league member joined full time on Friday. Woohoo! He's a Lions fan. Why not get excited? I think they could be the best defensive tackle duo in the league, Fairly and Sue. I think they're very exciting. I mean, that Patriots game was a had a lot to do with the Patriots suddenly fumbling every fourth time they touched the ball. But that is was a fantastic line through the whole preseason for the Detroit. I don't love the linebacking group. The secondary seems very sketchy to me. But it I'll tell you what, like the fact that they went out and did the Ziggy Ansa thing in the draft was to me, I love that. You cannot have enough pass rushers and you could not put enough good guys up on your on your front. And that turned dominant because Ziggy looks for real to me. I think he got injured in that game and they just said they rubbed mud on some body part and he was like back in there. Nice move. That's how they do. Even on an artificial turf. Just rub some well, mud. Well, I'm not sure where the mud came from. Maybe they have a bucket of mud on the side. I, I heard they that on the guy. telecast. Like, uh, I didn't make that up. Yeah. Jose, Rio, Jose Rio used to rub snake oil on his arm when he, when he hit sore elbow. <laughs> <laughs> that was stupid. <laughs> Maybe they can get these guys to play some offensive line, too, and then we have something going. Yeah. I would say they're not – it's not even a debate if Sue and Fairley are the best defensive tackle in the NFL. They are. Well, they got to do it. Fairley has to Fa- do it. Here's a, here's a Fairley stat for you. With Fairley in the lineup, the Lions have allowed less than four yards per carry on defense. With Fairley out of the lineup, they've allowed over five yards per carry. Mm. He's a difference maker. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy, and he's kind of a kind of a train wreck with all the penalties he's always getting. Well, and off field problems. Yeah, and you can't ignore that. It's interesting that they didn't invest in Cliff Averill, and I think the philosophy was. Sue and Fairley, you can only, first of all, pay so many guys. You've got to pay Megatron. You've got to pay Stafford. But the bigger thing is Sue and Fairley make the guys outside look better. Suddenly, Willie Young and Jason Jones might look pretty good because those two guys inside are so good. 
All right, Greg, uh, let's go around now and do record predictions. All right. Uh, in first place, the NFC North. I always take them to make it to the Super Bowl, and I'm going to do it again. The Green Bay Packers as the number one seed in the NFC. I'm just giving it all away. 12-4 and four <laughs> this year. Uh, I think the defense will be very, very good, and they st- still have the best player in football in Aaron Rodgers. I have the Lions at 9-7. and seven. I have the Bears at 7 and nine, and I have a big uh, catastrophe season for the Vikings, falling all the way down to five and eleven for Minnesota. Well, all right, when, before I came here, I was lying. It's my day off. I was lying on a blanket in the park, watching some adults who should have been at work playing baseball. I like uh, Wes's off days better, by the way. But I will listen. I'm on a I'm on a budget, okay? But uh, I saw Wes tweet that he cannot stand when everyone in the fantasy football community thinks exactly alike. And so I'm going to throw one. I'm going to throw something at you that I think you're going to be opposed to, but it's the way I feel from my heart. Bears win this division at ten and six, and I don't have anyone else in this division making the playoffs. And that starts with the Packers missing it <laughs> wow. at nine and seven, the Vikings at seven and nine, and the Lions at four and twelve. I everything we were about to talk about with this offense in Chicago, we didn't quite get to today, is what I am starting to see in them. I think something. We're, I think Tressman's offense will be the talk. Of the NFC this season. Well, let's get to it. I want to hear what you guys have to say about the Bears. Why not? What did we not get to about the Bears? Offer? Peter Jackson work again. Here we go. No, no, no. <laughs> well, my you know interest what? is peaked. This we'll is put it, we'll put it on the website it. tomorrow. We'll put it well, on the website tomorrow. It. But I, I just, I think we did touch on to some degree. I think that they are going to, they've shown us very little. They've shown us just a peak at what they're going to do. I think Cutler is a guy who's not necessarily special, but he can do anything that you'd ask him to do Greg in that offense. Cutler looked like a new quarterback the other night. He really played well the other night. And as, you know, the biggest Cutler homer, I've, I'm been always expecting that he'll finally turn the corner. I'm hopeful again. It, it really did look good the other night. And, you know, Tressman, there's just something about him. Like, I like him from he, the start. I don't know why I was he's the, he's the quarterback whisperer. It's his like, record with quarterbacks is unbelievable. We just talked about their defense. I think you put two and two together. It's I I don't know. I, I see them winning the division. Packers are a very good team. I have a feeling something weird's going to happen in Green Bay. It's not a, so much a nine and seven comment on their talent. I just think, think something. So you're saying injury? No, no, no. Just something <laughs> unexpected. I get these feelings sometimes. Lo- you are the leader in the clubhouse. Gutsiest pick now. I think that's not that gutsy, is uh, it? I had the Eagles winning. I'm not, I'm not giving Sessler anything. <laughs> <laughs> Wes, let's hear your records. You know, when we first started this exercise, since then I have elevated three teams in this division and pushed one of them way down. Wow. I have taken the Bears from last place to second place, but I'll start at the top. I have the Packers at 11-5, and five, winning the division. I feel better about them than I did three weeks ago. I have the Bears at 10-6 and six and making the playoffs now, whereas I had them bringing up the rear before. I have the Lions at 8-8. Eight and eight. Good. And the Vikings at seven and nine. I like that. It's pretty good. It's a pretty strong solid. division. I had the Lions at nine. I, I'm, I'm on the Lions train too this year. I like the Lions. I have the Packers at twelve and four. Sorry, Mark. We'll see what happens. Uh, Bears at ten and six. I like them this year, and I like them making the playoffs. Uh, Lions seven and nine. I'm not quite in. And then the Vikings. I also feel fall to earth. Six and ten. New quarterback <laughs> next year. Wow. So f- three of the four of us have the Vikings. 
I think in last. I think we've spoken on our lack of confidence in Christian. Ponder. I think that's the headline headline in your wrap up post on this topic on the ATL blog. I don't know. Greg. Yeah, there's that. There's three or four of us said the Bears had a winning record, including two in the playoffs. That was I. That was ju- I jumped mine from six and ten to ten and six on the Bears. That's During this jump, telecast. <laughs> During this podcast, yes. <laughs> That's pretty I'm a fickle, fickle man. And so b- let's talk about the most popular man in the newsroom today. Oh, well, that's a nice segue. Well, it's not really me, because what ha- this is what happened. A-, a few weeks ago, we were talking in the newsroom. I think it was Wes uh, Damashek. It's definitely not Greg, me. It started with it's the Adrian Peterson Wheaties box. <laughs> right. We were talking about Peterson was on the Wheaties. Who eats Wheaties? It became, what's the best cereal? And I told Dan that Kix is like eating dried up tumbleweeds in a <laughs> in a cardboard box. I like Kix. I like Kix in the category that is not sugared, heavy sugared cereal, just like right. a nice solid so cereal. So that led to Greg's love of frosted mini wheats, which are basically miniature <laughs> sugar coated miniature wicker baskets. Whew. It's a great cereal. We were talking one cereal for the rest of the, your life. I mean, shredded mini wheats do it all. I like that too. So this whole conversation carries over onto Twitter. And, uh, you know, I thought the highlight of Twitter was Damashek, uh, the analogy between Apple Jacks and Tom Brady. <laughs> what was what? that? You know, like Tom Brady, Apple Jacks makes those around them better. It leaves, <laughs> it leaves the milk. <laughs> Apple Jacks does for, it does. does for milk what Tom Brady does for young wide receivers. But what we all agreed, <laughs> though, ultimately, was that the best cereal was Cinnamon Toast Crunch. No, yeah. I'm not a, in any agreement on oh. that. Nor do I. Yeah, well, I, and I thought I had posted that clearly and made them my number one choice. And a lot of people agreed. A lot of people chimed in. I guess Greg and Mark do not agree. Well, I'm not four years old. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then, so then, I get word that apparently there were multiple boxes at my desk. This is while I was on my business trip. Multiple cartons. Cartons, and it turns out the good people at Cinnamon Toast Crunch caught word. Uh, caught wind of our Twitter conversation and sent 50 boxes to the newsroom of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Uh, so, you know, thanks to General Mills, whoever you are, sir. And uh, He's not really a general. He's you not? can look that up. Well, I still respect the hell out of him. Uh, for sending the cereal, we, we passed it out around the newsroom. We have a couple boxes just for the ATL crew. Uh, so... That general Mills awesome. is as much of a general as Colonel Sanders is a colonel. <laughs> I mean, this seeing people's faces light up and just the words spread around the newsroom, it was like Christmas morning. Did you guys hear about the cinnamon no. toast card? Like, people were, people were talking. It, you know what's going to get old for Dan? Oh, yeah. I, I've seen this scenario play out a half dozen times today. Can you guys talk about Rolls Royces next time? Yeah. <laughs> or beer? Yeah. Maybe they'll send you some of those. I got that, and I also I feel a little bad because I feel like although I agreed that I liked cinnamon toast crunch, Wes was the man that truly championed it, and I could tell Wes there's a little heat about it. Uh, so I defer to you as the king of cinnamon toast crunch. If, if they want to continue to send uh, those boxes, send them to Chris Wesley. We should send out some cinnamon toast crunch. I know we got to go soon to whatever listener out there tweets at us about cinnamon cr- toast crunch first. Tonight, Monday night, and we'll send you some boxes, and we'll spread the love. All right. That sounds good. Uh, we are out of time. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, on behalf of Wessling, they call him the mailman. Sessler, they call him the sizzler. And Rosenthal, they call him the boss. So until next time, we will uh, see you on Wednesday. No one calls me that. <laughs>
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.